Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're glad that you're able to be with us tonight. Looking forward to uh, for for the time in the Word and allow God to speak to us. We want to thank you for joining us. You could be anywhere else that you wanted, but we're thankful that you're taking a few minutes, either whether it be live with me now or delayed. Uh, we want to just thank you for being with us and to hear the word of the Lord. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 2, and this is really kind of going to be my Christmas message. Um, next week we won't be live. I'll have a recording out, but it won't be uh, necessarily a live aspect. You can see it on YouTube and on Facebook and on our podcast as well. You can access all of that at spiritofgracechurch.org. Praise God. I want to speak tonight uh, by asking this question, what made these wise men so wise? What made these wise men so wise? And I'm reading from Matthew chapter three or chapter 2 out of the King James Version tonight. It says this, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, and demanded of them where Christ should be born, they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently at what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And again, I want to share with you tonight what made these wise men so wise. And again, thank you for joining us. The day after Thanksgiving is a crazy day, and it's known to be the busiest shopping day of the year. And I know this year may be a little different than it has been in the past. Um, but uh, most often that Friday after Thanksgiving is uh, totally chaotic. And studies have shown that American men are under incredible stress the day after Thanksgiving. In fact, there was an article by psychologists by the name of David Lewis that reports that shopping is hazardous to men's health. He tested volunteers from the age of 22 to 79 by sending them out Christmas shopping, and he recorded blood pressure rates that you'd expect to see in a fighter pilot going into combat. And according to the same test, only one in four women showed any significant signs of stress from shopping. Just another one of the many gender differences here in America. But the question has been posed before, what would have happened if there had been three wise women instead of three wise men? And the answer is simple. It's this. They would have asked directions immediately upon commencing their trip, which would have allowed them to arrive on time. They would have helped 
deliver the baby, clean the stable, make a casserole and buy cute little outfits for baby Jesus that could have been worn on his way home that day. But as it happened, there were no wise women that night. It was the wise men. And while we think of these men as part of the Christmas story, they actually were not present on that first Christmas. If you read that, we just read it tonight. When they went and found Jesus, he was already in the house. They weren't actually a part of the Christmas night, if you will. Uh, it was uh, Most people have timed it out that it was well over a year before they came and uh, gave their gifts to the Lord. And so I want us to consider this group of men that we consider part of the Christmas story that never was a witness to that eventful night, but uh, to be able to glean from their experience and who they were. Uh, first of all, the question is, is how many wise men were there? We, almost all the plays that you see and all of the, the uh, dramas and, and movies have three wise men and that's based basically only on the fact that there was three gifts that are mentioned but there could have been more we just don't really know how many wise men there were on that trip who were they the bible calls them the magi where we get our word magician from and as such they were devoted to the studies of stars but more than that we don't know where were they from there are some in tradition that have suggested arabia or Babylon, or Persia. We just don't really know about these wise men. There's so much about these men that remain a mystery even to this day. All that we really know about these gentlemen is that the Bible calls them wise. And the question I want to pose to you tonight is simply this, why? what makes them so wise? And uh, even more to the point is how can you and I take what they held and become wise. And so I want to share that with you. The first thing that comes to my mind is they were wise in their decision to search for Jesus. Uh, they recognized God at work in the world that was surrounding them. The wise men, these, these men of science and the stars, uh, were brought to a decision to seek out and find the one that was going to be called the king of the Jews. They didn't have all the facts. Uh, when they started, but they had enough to know that they needed to search. Now, not every man have, of science has been led to acknowledge God. Many have turned to their own resources, if you will. Um, but these men were brought to the conviction, not only of God's existence, but that they needed to search for the God that was interacting with the affairs of men. If you read Romans chapter 1 and, and Psalm 19, it speaks of God's uh, power and creative handiwork that's demonstrated in the heavens, in the sky, if you will. As they applied themselves, these wise men, to observing the heavens, their attention was drawn to one particular star. And if you read the news today, this star is going to be supposedly the Bethlehem star of the aligning uh, of, uh, of stars here in just a few days. Um uh, but I, I just, they, they, they recognized it and they were seeing and looking at that. They were searching uh, for the things of God and, and God gave them a, a bright star to lead them and guide them. And so God gives enough light for us to search. Um, sometimes we get the idea that the only place that God can speak to us is when we're at church 
or we're in our setting of prayer or in our setting of worship. But think about it. God works through many circumstances in our lives. And oftentimes, um, he's just trying to get our attention to seek him even further. And, And oftentimes, those circumstances involve in what we're employed at in the moment. Um, Think about Moses when he was in the side of the wilderness tending his sheep when the the bush began to burn. For Gideon, he was harvesting wheat when God began to call him. For Simon Peter, he was cleaning his nets after a night of fishing and uh, when he was uh, called by God to follow him. Matthew, we find, was sitting at a table collecting taxes. And in this case today, tonight, the wise men were studying the stars. So my question to you is this, has God spoken to you where you're employed? I'm not talking about a specific job necessarily, but in what your hand is doing, what you're, what you're active in, what your hobby is. Things have happened and now you're starting to question things going on in your life, what you are about, what it is that God has called you to, what it is that, uh, what's the purpose that God has you, What is where do you get your significance from? And You see, God speaks to man when they're busy doing something. And if God has spoken to you, please know that you don't need to have all the answers to begin to search. You just have to have a a small light, if you will, something that triggers an interest for you to begin to search. They, the wise men that we're talking about, the Magi from the East, they recognized that God was working in the world surrounding them And they were wise because they decided, I've got to find this one called Jesus. You see, they recognized that God was at the work, was at work in the word that was revealed to them as well. At the time, when these men made their search, they had the Old Testament probably at their disposal. And uh, we have no way of knowing just how much of the Old Testament that they actually read, but One thing we know is that they had to have enough knowledge of Scripture to know that a Messiah was coming, and they maybe didn't have all the answers and they couldn't explain it all, but they had enough to give their souls a hunger for more of this one called Jesus. They had enough to decide to begin their search. And uh, you don't need to be a Bible scholar. You don't need to know the ins and outs of how all of the Bible works and the Old Testament and the New Testament and how it's all intertwined together. All you need to know is just a little bit to begin to search and something will trigger on the inside of you and allow you to see that you can begin to search for Jesus. You and I have much more information about the Lord than these wise men did. We have the really the, the infallible word of God, both the Old and the New Testament, and God wants to speak to you if you're willing to listen. See, too many people are all worried about just their worship and their prayers, but they forget that the Word of God is exactly that, the Word of God. He's trying to speak through to us through His Word. Maybe there's a verse or even just a phrase that God, you find running through your thoughts uh, from the day. So will you let the Spirit of God uh, lead you and speak to you? These wise men, what made them wise was something piqued their interest, something uh, allowed God to draw their attention uh, to what God was already doing among man. And uh, so where are you in your search? If you're without the Lord tonight, I want to encourage you to find him. Uh, 
if if get the book, get the Bible. There, there. You can find them everywhere. The number one bestseller of all history is the Bible. Write your questions down. Put all your reasons uh, to believe and not to believe and can't believe, and then challenge God to prove you wrong. Because God wants to speak to you through His Word. He's wanting to speak to you through all of the things that are happening around us. And uh, I want to just pause just for a second. Randy and Taryn are online tonight, and they are members of our church that are driving uh, several gifts to uh, the orphanage that we support in Mexico. And uh, they're approaching the Mexico border as we speak, so let's pray that there's no issues. We miss them, and we're thankful that God is using them to deliver uh, the gifts that we packaged a few weeks ago to the uh, children there at the orphanage. I'm not even going to try to say the name of the orphanage because I'll I'll butcher the name because I don't speak Spanish at all. Praise God. So will you be willing to let God prove himself to you? You see, sometimes we wait for God to drop out of the sky and blow our minds away where he really just is looking for and wanting to have somebody seek for him. He says it this way, ask and, and you shall find, or seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. There, God is just waiting for somebody to seek him out. The second thing is, is they were wise in the way they searched for Jesus. They were wise in the way they searched. First of all, they were determined. Can you, I, I don't know about you, they didn't have airplanes back then. They didn't have cars. They may have had camels. We're not sure. They may have had a donkey. They may have had a mule. We're not sure exactly what they traveled in, but we know that they must have traveled for quite some distance. In fact, it is possible, according to tradition, that they may have um, traveled at least a 1,000 miles. Um, in Matthew 2.16, we are told that Herod decided to kill all of the boys that were born that were two years and, and younger. So apparently... From the time that the first star first appeared, it took them, could have taken them up to two years to locate where Christ was. So their search wasn't a 10-minute search. It wasn't a, uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check now, but I'm not going to spend any time on it. It was a diligent search. It was a determined search. It was a long search. It just means that they were determined to search until they found the answer. This wasn't just a religious fad for them. It wasn't just a whim of the moment. They would see their search through to the end. And so my question to you and myself tonight is, is our search determined? Uh, are, are we like that in our spiritual search of what God is trying to do in our lives? Uh, I, I don't know who they came across on their journey, but they were probably the objects of ridicule. Can you imagine? Oh, you're chasing a star, are you? Uh, you're just you're just going by the stars, and and perhaps they were ridiculed. But if if it didn't deter them from their purpose, listen, there are going to be people that ridicule you for the sacrifice that you make in your search for Christ. Don't let the ridicule, don't let the questions, don't let the uh, wonder uh, hinder you. Just keep walking towards your purpose. I'll bet this journey for them, this search that they went on, was costly. Uh, there's no doubt that it was. They needed to provide food and lodging for the entire period of time that they were on their journey from the east. 
I can imagine that they grew tired. I, I'm, I can imagine over the course of a year or so, they were probably a little bit uh, weary. They probably dealt with some sickness. They probably de dealt with discouragement. They probably felt from time to time like giving up and saying it's not worth it. But they persevered anyhow. And I want to challenge you, if you're searching for Jesus, don't stop when things get a little difficult. Don't stop in your journey for uh, God working in you when things seem to be uh, discouraging and and heavy and just keep going. In fact, when I'm hungry, um, I, I look in a cookie jar. And if there's nothing in a cookie jar, I look in a refrigerator. And if there's nothing in a refrigerator, I'll take out a cabinet where my wife likes to hide all the goodies from my sons. And if it's not there, I'll maybe even check out a freezer. I'll, I'll, I just keep looking until I find something good to eat. And Matthew 5, 6 says it this way, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So let me ask you tonight, how hungry are you in your search for God? How thirsty are you in your search for God? And for the purpose that God has for you and the the the, the life that God wants you to be, to be living and operating in. So they were determined in their search to find Jesus. They were also discerning in their search to find Jesus. These men were wise in seeking counsel. They were wise in discerning what to accept and what to reject. When given audience with Herod, they heard from Herod's wise men, and the king's men were wise in head but not in heart. They related the testimony from Scripture. They quoted it from the, the Old Testament in, in Micah where the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And, and the wise men were willing to accept that this was the direction that God wanted them to go for the next leg of their journey. And and the wise men of Herod understood something, but then they weren't in their heads. They understood what the scripture said of the Old Testament, but they didn't put two and two together of what was actually happening. But then they were also the, the wise men that we're talking about tonight, the Magi, they were also wise enough to discount the emptiness of the king's words. Uh, I know the Bible says they had a dream, but part of that dream is being able to receive what the word of the Lord is saying and to discern what's going on. They understood that King Herod posed as a fellow seeker of Christ uh, when he told them that when they found this Messiah to come and tell him that he wanted to go and worship with them. Um, fine sounding words as they came from Herod, but they were full of hypocrisy and jealousy and the wise men didn't want to have any part of it. Can I just tell you that we need to be discerning in our search for him. There will be people that come alongside of us from time to time and they'll, they'll sound good and they'll sound right, but they're really not trying to search for Jesus. They'll sound even religious and spiritual and they'll talk about worship and they'll talk about serving and they'll talk about the things of, of the church and the things of the kingdom, but their heart's really not in it. They're, they're what the Bible says, that they speak to me with their lips, but their their souls are far from me or their hearts are far from me. You see, God led these men away from the trap that was set for them, and God will direct you in your search if you'll just ask him, if you'll just discern with him. Uh, not everyone giving you spiritual counsel will give you the truth, and not everyone who gives you the truth is willing to live it out themselves. You need discernment and 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 be as wise as the men that we read about in, in, in Matthew. 
So they, they were determined, they were discerning, and then they were also dependent in their search. God did indeed direct these men as he will you if you ask him to, but what a surprising place they were led to. They weren't led to a palace. They were led to a house. We don't know how big the house is, but tradition, or, or if you even go there today, a lot of the old houses of that day are not big. They're not fancy. It's one thing to start a search, but it's an entirely different thing to accept where the search leads. Listen, there's a lot of people that have started their search with Jesus, and they found out that it, their expectations were not met that Jesus did not meet their expectations because they were looking for something different. They weren't looking for a crucified Savior that had risen from the dead. They were looking for uh, a way out, a way of escape, a way to alleviate their flesh, a way to make themselves feel uh, less guilty. And, and while Jesus can do all of that, there's a price to be paid. Jesus said it this way, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. There's a lot of people that, that don't want to deny themselves and they don't want to follow him. They just want Jesus to do something for them. They just want Jesus. They just want the miracle. They just want the, 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 the goosebump uh, experience, but they don't want the transformation and the work and the, the, the journey and the search that the wise men did. They were wise because they were dependent upon where God wanted them to end up. I want to share with you, uh, as being dependent, there, the, the Bible says there's three things that really bring man down. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And uh, these wise men were, were not willing and, and refused to be sidetracked by the lust of the flesh. Self-pleasure and ease was in the courts of Herod. Can you imagine all the pleasures of the palace that they experienced while they were visiting the, the good food and the, the, the people waiting on them hand and foot. But uh, going to where the star was, there was hardship and danger that lay on the road to Bethlehem. And their trip home, uh, when the Bible says it went another way, it was probably not the easiest way to go home, but they were, they were uh, escaping from the spies of Herod, according to Matthew 2.12. Listen, does God's answer for you need to be soft and easy and pleasurable? There's too many people that have asked God about something and when God hasn't come when God hasn't come back with an answer that's easy, pleasing, soft and it's almost like you just want to fall into a a cushioned bed that if it's not that then it's not God. Uh I, I hate to break the news and I hate to you know burst your bubble but Jesus didn't call us to be creatures of comfort. He called us to be creatures of the gospel. And the gospel is not a comfortable thing because the kingdom of God is not a comfortable thing because the kingdom of God is an antithesis to the kingdom of the world. And um, so if you're the kind of person that's always asking, well, what do I get out of this? God's leading may be difficult for you to accept. Now, listen, I'm not, I don't want to make somebody be fearful Jesus said, I'm going to be with you everywhere, every step of the way. I'm going to be with you even to the end of the world. But it doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. It doesn't always going to be. I wrote an article. Let me put it to you this way. I wrote an article back when I was in college. So that tells you how long ago it was. Um, 
And the title of that article was, Did God Promise You a Rose Garden? And I had heard the statement, you know, over and over and over again, well, God didn't promise you a rose garden. Well, I came at it from a different perspective. I believe that God did put you in the middle of a rose garden. But in order to enjoy the beauty of the roses, you have to put up with the thorns. And I had a rose bush in our, at our house in Kansas City. And I just got to tell you, I tried to kill that thing every which way but loose. I tried to cut it out. I tried to burn it. I poured gasoline on it. I tried to do everything I could, and it kept coming back and coming back and coming back. Why? Because it was persistent. And and the Bible calls Jesus the Rose of Sharon. I, I think he wants to continually, it doesn't matter how bad you push him away. It doesn't matter how hard you fight him. It doesn't matter how hard you try to disconnect. He's always going to be right there trying to attract you with the beauty of heaven, with the beauty of who he is, with the rose of Sharon, if you will. But he also understands that if you're going to get close to him, you're going to have to endure some thorns. Even even Paul said that he had a thorn in his flesh or, or something that constantly troubled him. And, and you're going to have that, but don't be discouraged. Be determined. Don't let your flesh try to tell you that walking for God and living for God should just be easy and you shouldn't have a rough day. And you, Listen, the, the Bible says it this way, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And, and I'm saying, Lord, whatever comes, whatever may rise in front of me, let me just hold on to your hand and enjoy the ride and walk with you hand in hand. And, and no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I want to stay strong in you. I want to know who you are. The second thing is, they wouldn't be sidetracked by the lust of the eyes. These wise men were wise enough to know the difference between the reality and the appearance of things. There is a reality of things and there is an appearance of things. Christ did not look like a king that night. When the wise men showed up, he was a two-year-old or younger little boy in a home, probably having to have his diapers changed, probably teething and crying and screaming from time to time. Because as all one to two year olds, the you know the terrible twos, all of those kinds of things, he looked like a poor Jewish boy from a poor Jewish family. But somehow these wise men saw beyond the physical appearance to realize the power and presence of God that Jesus was reflecting, that Jesus was putting off. You may not fully understand God's answer when it comes to you. It's not a matter of figuring it out. You don't have to figure it out. You just have to follow him. I don't know that the wise men, when they got done with Jesus and, and took the separate way back to where they came from, I don't know what they experienced after that. That's There's no record of what they dealt with after that. All I know is this. They weren't figuring it out how this baby was going to be the king of the Jews. They just accepted it as reality. And God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. But when God leads you to that verse or that passage in Scripture that opens up your spirit or your soul to the Lord, it's at that point that you'll have to decide whether to trust your eyes or to trust the Word of God. I've been sending out in my devotion the last couple of days uh, about experiencing God through the book of Lamentations not usually the book that you would go to to reveal God because it's a lamenting book. It's it's a sorry. In fact, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, if you will. See, sometimes we get this picture in our mind of what things should be. 
And if God doesn't deliver us, and if God doesn't heal us, and if God doesn't make a way for us, and if God doesn't send us the million dollars, and if God doesn't fix the car, and if God doesn't stop the leak in the roof, and if God doesn't do this, and God doesn't do that, well then I must be doing something wrong, and I'm not hearing from God. No, you're just experiencing life. The reality is, is you wouldn't have a roof over your head, even though it's leaking right now. You wouldn't have a car to drive, or you wouldn't have all of those things if God hadn't allowed you to have them already. So you have to understand that the the lust of the eye is not just talking about falling in love with something. The lust of the eye, when, when it says that, it's also talking about how you perceive things and how you see things. Do you see things through a natural uh, perception or do you see them through the Spirit? I don't know about you, but through the natural eye, Calvary doesn't make sense. Through the natural eye, being born in a stable and laid in a manger is not the place for the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to be laid when he was born. It, it doesn't make sense. My, uh, my human natural instinct, my human natural tendency or perception would be much different than that. But God saw fit to be born in a manger and to hang on a cross so that you and I would have the opportunity to come to him and have an opportunity to go to a place where the streets are paved with the purest gold and to be in the presence of the one who created us. So don't get sidetracked by your eyes and what you see and what you hear, and don't get sidetracked. If God is working on you and you're trying to seek him out, keep seeking him. Don't stop. Keep fighting through it. These wise men would not be sidetracked third by the pride of life. These were grown men. In fact, the Bible calls them wise. They must have been fairly wealthy because they invested two years of their life in search for the Messiah. They were important enough that the king allowed them to come into his presence but they were humble enough to bow their knee and to worship and recognize the greater glory of this little baby standing before them. They recognized that they were before God, and their little self-glory that they had melted away. So my question to you is this, are you wise enough like they are to submit your will to the will of God? To say, it's not my, it's not by my might. It's not by my will. I can't do this on my own. I give my agenda to you. I give my will to you. If you want me to go through something, I'll go through it. If you want me to do something, I'll do it. If you want me to be somebody, I'll be somebody. I'll do whatever you want me. It's not about me. It's all about you. In your spiritual search for meaning and purpose, do you really want to do it your way or do you want to do it God's way? There's too many people that are trying to find their significance in God by doing it their way. And God is trying to tell somebody tonight, it's not about your way, it's about my way. It's a, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we like to just, when he says, I am the way, we, we just put that in the box of, you know, getting to heaven or being saved or finding who he is. But when he says, I am the way, it means that your way is not the way. Your way will lead you to the wrong path. But if you'll hold on to him, and he may take you through some... I've said it this way oftentimes. Uh, faith will get you into as much trouble as it will get you out of. And if you are living by faith and you are trying to follow him, you're going to find yourself in areas and arenas that you did not plan to walk into and in situations that you did not want to go to. But because you're walking by faith in him, he's leading you in those places. Um, 
Don't worry about doing it your way. Be prepared to do it God's way because it's the only way that will work. And then last tonight, I want you to know that these wise men, what made these wise men really wise was in their devotion at the conclusion of their search. Sometimes we don't respond when we actually find him the way we should. I know people that have searched and searched for him, and when they've come face to face with him, they didn't want to respond to him because whether it be fear, apprehension, they didn't think that they were worthy, whatever it is. But these wise men understood what to do when they came face to face with God. They bowed down and worshiped him. They presented him with gifts. It's not enough to just discover who he is. There's a lot of people that know who Jesus is, but they haven't, and, and even what he's done, but they fall short uh, because they only discover certain truths about him. There's a lot of people that know about him, and, and they only discover certain truths without giving ourselves to him in faith and worship. Listen, God wants all of you. Jesus said it this way, the, the second of commandments, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants your whole being. He doesn't just want a part of you. He just doesn't want your intellect. He wants everything. And uh, so there was a couple of things that they brought to him in worship. And uh, in fact, let me put it to you this way. It's not a matter of what you and I get out of worship. Now, I love worship. I love gathering together with God's believers and beginning to sing and to worship and to praise it washes over me. It strengthens me. It encourages me. Uh, I never leave the same way when I've truly worshiped with fellow believers. But worship isn't about what I get out of it. Worship is really what God gets out of it. What is my worship doing for him? And these wise men understood what they were doing. And so they brought a couple of gifts. The first one is gold, which is a gift that was worry, worthy of his lordship. When they gave Jesus this little baby, if you will, gold, they were saying that this baby is worthy of who he's designed to be. Uh, obviously, gold has always had worth. It, it's a gift fit for royalty. And God deserves the very best that we can bring in our hand. But more than that, God deserves the very best that we can bring in our heart. Uh, I need to worship him and serve him as much as I can with the best of my ability. Not just, you know, half-hearted, not just... When, when Adam and Eve sinned, it was an act of rebellion and disloyalty. And true worship will include an acknowledgement of God's sovereign right to control our lives. Revelation nineteen sixteen says this, He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Did you know that Jesus Christ is called Lord 747 times in the New Testament? And that great of a king deserves our obedience and our submission. See, it's not just about what we can give to him. It's about what we surrender to him. What, what I want to give him all that I can give him, but more than giving it to him, I want to surrender it to him. The, here's the difference. When I give him something, I'm giving him an entity, whether it be a part of me, whatever, and I'm saying, okay, you can have this. But when I'm surrendering myself, I'm putting myself up on the table, uh, taking a word picture from the Old Testament. I'm putting me, the dirty clay, up on the potter's wheel and saying, here, here I am. 
use me. That's the difference between giving something to him and, and surrendering ourselves to him. And so uh, a gift worthy of his lordship is your all. It's your all. You are worthy of as of gold. And when you give yourself to him in obedience and submission, you're revealing your heart of worship. The second one, the gift that they gave him was frankincense. This is a gift worthy of his holiness. Frankincense is mentioned 17 times in the Bible. It's used as one of the four sweet scents uh, comp compounded together to make a ceremonial incense for the Jews. It's used in both sacrifices and in prayer, and its aroma was always present in the temple grounds. And so as such, frankincense is a picture, if you will, of our praise and worship of Christ as the Holy One. And uh, Psalm 95.6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Isaiah 9.6 said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He's worthy of everything that we can give him. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our time. He's worthy of our resource. He's worthy of our finance. He's worthy of everything that we can give him. And everything that we can give him through praise and worship is a sweet-smelling aroma to him. It's, it's what the Old Testament calls incense. And it's frankincense is that gift that does that. And then the last thing is myrrh, which is a gift that's worthy of his sacrifice. Myrrh is an aromatic resin obtained from several trees and found in both the northern Africa and throughout the entire east. And myrrh was used in the embalming process, if you will, or the mummification process in Egypt. And there's 22 references to myrrh in the scripture. It was used to anoint every part of the tabernacle and it was a myrrh that was poured on the feet of Jesus. And it was when the, these wise men gave him myrrh, it was prophetic um, that the child was born to be a sacrifice, if you will. And uh, so the question becomes, what can we give him tonight? What At this Christmas season, what are some of the things that we can give him? Well, listen, we really can give him all. We can give him time. In the busyness of our schedules, and I know most of us that are hearing this tonight, uh, there's restrictions on uh, going places and restaurants are closed and things. And so maybe it's one way that God is using to slow things down for us, to focus more on him. But even in the busyness of this Christmas season, will you find time to actually go to the Christ of Christmas? You, you see... You can trust him because these wise men learned to trust him. They sought him out. They were, de they were determined. They were discerning. And then they also allowed them to be given over to him. So here's, here, here's what I, I want to challenge you with over the next few days. I, I want to challenge you to seek him. I'm not just talking about a five-minute prayer here or there. I'm talking about really seeking the Lord, picking up the Word of God. And you may not understand what you're reading, but just tell God, God, I'm just in search of you. Let something that I read 
come to my understanding and let me seek you out even more. And then, and then I want you to, to, to challenge you that when you find him, begin to give yourself to him. I believe that God is wanting people or calling people now to give of themselves to him so that he can wrap himself up in the spirit of Christmas and give himself back to us. What a great opportunity that we have in 2020. As we close out this year, I've always liked how the, the season of Christmas is always at the end of the year because we celebrate the birth of Christ and then we turn the calendar to a new year and a new opportunity. There's just something about that that is amazing. And, and so we wrap up this whole season together and uh, we start with Thanksgiving and our spirit of gratitude leads over to the spirit of Christmas and then to the spirit of new beginnings. And I believe that God is doing it. This is the reason why the wise men were wise. And if you want to be wise tonight, I encourage you, do what the wise men did. Search him out. Find him. Ask. Read. Study. Don't give up. Keep pushing forward. Don't let the distractions of life get you down. Don't let people get, come against you and, and distract you. Don't let the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, don't let any of that get in your way. But seek him till you find him because you'll never forget it and you'll never regret it because he's worthy of it all. Praise God. We love you all so very much. We pray that you'd have a great rest of the week. Should the Lord tarry, we'll be back together at 1030 on Sunday. And then remember, next week we'll only uh, be on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we're going to have something recorded for you for the Christmas season. We love you all very much. God bless you and have a great, great evening.